This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, June 27th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Jenny Ward steps down from Telluride School Board, Telluride marches for abortion rights, Sunset Concert Series returns to Mountain Village, and a mountain weather forecast. But first... San Miguel County Search and Rescue, San Miguel County Sheriff Deputies, and Telluride Fire Protection District EMS responded to an incident in the Lewis Lake area above Telluride on Sunday afternoon. According to the Sheriff's Office, a 41-year-old Montrose woman called dispatch in distress due to a medical complaint. She and her husband were hiking back to Telluride at the time. Responders transported the patient from the high country using an OHV and was taken to the Telluride Regional Medical Center for care. The Telluride R1 School District is looking for a new member for the Board of Education. Jenny Ward is stepping down. She has served on the school board for seven years and was recently hired by the district to work as the counselor for 7th through 10th grade. I've been working on my master's in school counseling for the past two years. And uh, last year, I completed my internship in the Ridgeway School while I remained on the school board here Um, I was in Ridgeway Elementary, Middle and High School. The school board accepted her resignation at a special meeting on Monday. I was planning on completing my school board tenure through the next year and just kind of waiting to see if any school counseling positions opened up and, you know, after this next year. And um, and then a position opened up for seventh through 10th grade. And it just it that was exactly what I want to do and kind of what I've been focusing on. And so I felt like I couldn't let that opportunity pass. Looking back on her tenure on the school board, Ward points to working on the expansion of the middle high school, supporting housing for teachers and navigating the COVID pandemic as key moments. But a teacher by trade, Ward says she's looking forward to getting back in the classroom. I know at some point that I would always want to go back to education. I have kept my teaching certification in the state of Colorado has kept those endorsements active or current. And I just became more and more um, interested in mental health and the social emotional well-being of the students. And so two years ago, I pursued my master's in school counseling. And um, and I'm excited to be in the schools um, kind of implementing a lot of the work that we talk about and focus on as a school board um, and just working with students again. With her resignation, the school board is charged with appointing a new member to serve the remainder of Ward's term. Those interested in serving on the board can fill an application including their interest in serving on the school board. Applications to serve on the Telluride School Board are due by 4 p.m. on August 18th, the selected applicant will be sworn in on August 29th. The appointee will serve until the next school board election in November 2023, when the seat will be up for election. The day after the U.S. Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade, The 50-year precedent that made abortion a right in the United States, over 100 members of the Telluride community, men, women, young, old, marched down Main Street to show their opposition to the ruling. 
Signs showcase slogans like respect female existence or expect our resistance. Abortion is health care. Keep your hands off my body. Katie Adams sign reads, now can we have our rights back? It's basically a uterus um, with the ovaries and everything in the shape of a gun um, with a trigger and everything. And I put the little Glock label on it um, because I think it's kind of ironic how we've had so many school shootings and so much advocacy for gun rights lately. Um, and then they blatantly took away like rights to literally your uterus, which is just mind-blowing. It's like, oh, maybe if my uterus was like, gone, I would have more rights to it. Throughout the march, organizers and protesters acknowledge the impact of Roe being overturned won't be felt as acutely in Colorado. Earlier this year, the state legislature passed a law to guarantee the right to abortion in the state. March organizer Chloe Plummer. We are in a lucky position to be in Colorado in the aftermath of Dobbs. That cannot be disputed. In April, Colorado passed the Reproductive Health Equity Act, a law that set the legal framework to protect abortion as a right. But even so, I'm sure all of you can relate to the drop in your chest, the feeling of having to look around and move on to business as usual as our rights are being stripped away before our eyes. It's an idea that resonates with Madeline McRoberts. By rallying and by being so privileged to be able to live in a state where abortion will not be illegalized, hopefully, that we're able to support those who are in those states who are not going to have the option and hopefully get people to donate to abortion funds and help those guys out because it's scary. Kara Wilder wants to highlight the bigger picture when it comes to reproductive rights. This isn't just women, it is women's rights, but this is human rights. Everyone has the right to have autonomy over their body and their choices and what they do with their body. And so I'm here for myself, all the amazing women in my life and all the women that this is really going to affect. 13-year-old Corian Duncan is at the march to show up for all the young people who will be affected by new abortion laws. My best friend lives in Florida and um, she one of her best friends got pregnant and isn't able to have an abortion because of the recent laws passed and it's just extremely concerning because there are so many people in their youth who might not be able to continue school, might not be able to get a proper education, might not be able to continue on in a successful life if they have, if they are forced to give birth. And I think that that's just so alarming and so concerning. And I think that it needs to be spoken of more. As much as people share anger and frustration, March organizer Wiley Holbrook adds, it's a time to find connection with one another. It is a time of mourning. And, like, people are crying, people are angry, people are scared. And we have, to, we have to cry together and we have to hug each other and we have to be there for one another. Um, even, if, even if we're not going to influence the, any Supreme Court justice, we're going to make sure that we're not going to, we're going to be there tomorrow for one another. Colleen Thompson shares that sentiment. I was laying in bed crying and I was so thrilled to hear that everybody else was marching. And I didn't want to come to be honest because I was having a really tough day and this is making it feel a tiny shred better. <laughs>
After the march, Plummer urges everyone to do what they can to support those living in states where abortion is no longer legal. Please donate to clinics in trigger states. Please donate to, there's a lot of funds that are in place to help, um, like, people with uteruses access abortions, they'll pay for travel, accommodations, food, child care, like there are so many resources out there that are doing their best to keep abortion a right that everyone has and so just doing our part to keep that flowing because in the end it doesn't, the government doesn't have our back, we kind of have to have our own back on this issue and we have to really band together and go back to the grassroots movement, so. Following the Supreme Court's decision to overrule Roe v. Wade, more than 20 states enacted, or will soon enact, bans or severe restrictions on abortion. The Sunset Concert Series is making a late-season return to Mountain Village. We're excited uh, to continue the Sunset Music Series. We have coordinated with Telluride Ski and Golf, and they have granted an agreement uh, for us to use the the grassy knoll or hill uh, in Sunset Plaza. Um, we're going to do actually uh, two shows, um, and starting in uh, probably mid-July. That's Anton Benitez, president and CEO of the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association. Obviously, we're a little late in the season to book bands, um, but we're doing our best with Teddy Erico to, to book the bands, um, and uh, we're looking forward to it. The future of the concert series was for a moment up in the air. The series was on a two-year hiatus due to COVID, and this year there was a disagreement with Telluride Ski and Golf about using the traditional Sunset Plaza, which Telski owns, as the venue for the concerts. TSG was, uh, has been definitely happy with Sunset Concerts in the past, but they were really um, interested in doing spreading out the vibrancy on a daily basis. While we do have music up here in Mountain Village on a daily basis, I think they were um, uh, looking for um, a little bit more vibrant uh, days. Um, so spreading it out onto two days uh, is going to help. With that, Benitez acknowledges each individual concert will likely draw a smaller crowd. People probably won't go to both shows. Uh, but again, Terrorized Ski and Golf was really interested in us um, kind of having, uh, instead of just one day where everybody comes up, maybe having some more days where uh, it creates daily vibrancy. Adding to the sustained vibrancy, Benitez adds Mountain Village is adding an additional day of Music on the Green, the concert series that takes place in Reflection Plaza. The Sunset Concert Series will likely kick off on July 13th in Sunset Plaza and Mountain Village. Prepare for Main Street to be dotted with easels. The Sheridan Arts Foundation's annual plein air festival is back. Starting this week, 22 nationally recognized artists will take to the streets, meadows, and mountains to capture the light and color of the Box Canyon. I'm really drawn to more abstract paintings. Um, I like um, Matt Barber Kennedy, although he's not that abstract, but he, he paints these really kind of gritty scenes in town he he goes for architecture i have a painting of his that's literally of um a power station of the gondola and gears and like very industrial um and my boss ronnie would never in a million years have that in her house and that's 
one of the fun things about it. That's Maggie Stevens, PR and marketing director for the Sheridan Arts Foundation. She says, regardless of your style, there's something for everyone. You know, the beautiful flower boxes that we have on Main Street, those are these really iconic paintings that are impossible to resist. People love them, and I, you know, you, you understand why. It's it's just iconic Telluride, and that's what a lot of people go for, too. Um, so, and then some people really like the more landscapes that don't have any architecture in them and that have, you know, the elk that we get to enjoy on our valley floor in there, too. Artists typically paint 10 to 20 pieces over the week, culminating in 200 paintings for sale in support of the foundation, which manages and maintains the Sheridan Opera House. This year, artists are coming from near and far, from Colorado to Virginia, Utah to Puerto Rico. Alan Brockbank is joining as the artist's choice winner from last year's festival. He was new last year. He's the nicest man ever and just painted a stunning, stunning landscape. Um, it's kind of from um, the spur almost uh, looking back onto town, these really lush greens and he's a little bit more abstract, I would say, as well. David Dalson will be in the canyon. He's an Illinois watercolorist. He really specializes in painting people's houses um, and, and the flowers around town. They're just so delicate and beautiful. And Allison Lee Menke. She had been an artist's choice winner a few years back, too. Again, she's very, very expressive, um, really unusual uh, colors, I would say. And she started painting on aluminum panels uh, a few years ago, which is just a cool thing to know. And then we have a bunch of new artists, too. We have um, Jing Zhao from Texas, Antoine Ramar from Florida, um, Hayo Hu from Maryland. Um, total, we have 22 artists, though. And so it's a really diverse group from all over the country and um, all different kinds of styles. In addition to the traditional painting and sale, there will also be a golden hour quick draw competition and sale where artists have 90 minutes to paint on Main Street. There will be a winner of the competition, and paintings will be for sale outside the Sheridan Opera House. The Plein Air Festival will take place June 28th to July 4th, with an art exhibition and sale July 2nd through 4th in the Sheridan Opera House Courtyard and Elks Park. Did you know that insects and birds have co-evolved with the plants they pollinate? In the first punk science talk of the season, the Pinhead Institute is taking a look at smaller organisms with its Pollinator Power event. Through punk science, the Pinhead Institute gives young people hands-on experience with everything from atomic reactions to chemistry and physics. The talks are aimed at children K through 6th grade, but open to the whole family. The Pollinator Power event will take place on Tuesday, June 28th at the Transfer Warehouse at 5.15 p.m. Punk Science will take place every Tuesday through August 2nd with a different topic each week. Polls will close in Colorado's primary election on Tuesday night. KOTO Scott Franz has more on what's at stake. Republicans are deciding on a challenger to Jared Polis in the governor's race. They're also choosing a candidate in the brand new 8th Congressional District. It stretches from Greeley to North Denver. Some political observers say the outcome of the election there could determine which party controls Congress in November. More than half a million voters had returned primary ballots as of the latest tally. It's too late to vote by mail, so residents have until 7 p.m. on Tuesday to return ballots at polling centers or secure drop boxes. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. 
Last week, federal agencies and five tribes signed a historic co-management agreement for Bears Ears National Monument. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom speaks with an expert about what it will look like on the ground and its potential as a model for other tribal stakeholders in the country. Tribal representatives in this corner of Utah have pushed for the co-management of their ancestral land since the end of the Obama administration. Patrick Gonzalez-Rogers of the Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition says they had models, like the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission in Oregon. The four tribes that are off the Columbia River are really an effective kind of both steward and conservator as well as go to the general kind of health and maintenance of the Columbia tributary. Gonzales Rogers says that commission now employs over 100 staff members with a budget of over $25 million. The group is a major player in salmon restoration in the Northwest. And the Bears Ears Commission could have a similar impact in our region. We are distinct because this is the first time a national monument has come under a a coal management kind of dynamic. The commission could also serve as a model to others. I do think that it does provide a contemporary example. And then to a lesser extent, I think it is portable for many BIPOC organizations that operate in the conservation space as also a model. It's unclear how day-to-day management of Bears Ears will change with more Native American input. The five tribes involved have been working on a land management plan for the last four years. Gonzales Rogers says it's just about finished. Ours is much more an imprimatur or manifesto relative to cultural, traditional Native values. Now, it does touch upon specific topics, but it is really advancing what that means from a a native sense on land management. And it really sets up what I think are cultural precepts and instructions towards the stewardship of land. That plan will be compared to the Bureau of Land Management and National Forest Service proposals. Gonzales Rogers says they won't be in competition, but more additive although the new management scheme will still have challenges. I think the, you know, the obvious thing that's in the room now is, are we going to go back to this kind of volleying back and forth with the Utah state delegation as well as their federal delegation? Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes is expected to sue the Biden administration over the area's status as a national monument. And a new administration could always rescind the monument's protections. Everyone wants a particular stability and consistency relative to the monument. Gonzales Rogers says that there's room for dialogue between groups in the region, and a lot of middle ground can be found in Bears Ears. Justin Higginbottom, Rocky Mountain Community Radio. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight, with mostly clear skies and a low around 50 degrees. Tuesday, there is a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms, with mostly sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night. The high is in the mid-70s, with a low around 50. Wednesday, there's a 40% chance of precipitation with mostly sunny skies during the day and mostly cloudy skies at night. The high is near 75 degrees with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, June 27th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.